Well, maybe you ask a lot of questions. We're going to try to answer some of those in this series that we've started today. Well, welcome to The Crossing and Happy New Year. I want to especially welcome those of you who came for the first time at our Christmas services and you're coming back again. Well, today we're starting this new series called You Asked For It. But before we jump into that, I want to celebrate with you some of our highlights from our Christmas services. We had the largest attendance in the history of the crossing at Christmas. We had over 8,400 people who came to our five services. And to put that into perspective, that's 900 more than came last Christmas to our services. I think the number that's even better than that, though, is we had 75 baptisms, most of which people were not planning to do. So I just want to thank you for making bold invitations to invite your friends, for your generosity to the crossing and all that God has for us, and to thank you to the hundreds of volunteers who serve one, sometimes all the Christmas services. We're so grateful for, for you and what you've done here for, uh, for the crossing and all that God's doing here. Well, this is the time of year that we have all of those top lists. You know, it's like the, the top five movies of the year. You know, and somebody will begin to explain to you and give their opinion why Star Wars is number one on there, or the top five songs, which is hello. You know, that seems like that fills it all in. Or there's the top five New Year's resolutions. Any guess on what number one is? It's lose weight. That's number one. Number two is to get out of debt. Number three is to get a better job. Number four, spend more time with your family. And then number five is to quit smoking. And so we're at January 3rd, so hopefully you've not given up on your New Year's resolutions yet. Hope that those are still intact. Well, here at The Crossing, we have put together a top five list as well. In the past couple months, we've been circulating a survey and asking, if you could ask God anything, what would you ask? Or if you wondered, what does the Bible teach about blank? What would that be? And we got nearly a thousand responses to these questions. And so we've compiled the top five questions. And over the next five weeks, we're going to count them down starting at number five. And we'll go all the way down to number one. And we actually stole this idea from Jesus. Because a lot of times, Jesus' most profound teachings were based on a question that somebody came and asked him. Now, I don't know how profound our teachings are going to be. But when we did this, I thought that you would give some softball questions. I thought that there would be a few in here like, you know, how do I, how do I love my neighbor better or how do I pray? But no, you did not ask any of those. You asked the most complex and difficult questions out there. They only get more complex and difficult as the weeks go on. And I just concluded that you are the meanest, <laughs> cruelest church anywhere around. Well, number five, so we'll start off number five. The number five top requested question is what happens to those who never hear about Jesus? Well, I understand this. I understand because we have all of these questions about people who are in a remote place, but there's actually a question behind this question. And in this series, we're not going to be afraid to ask questions. So we're going to look at what does the Bible say about all this stuff, but I think there is a question behind this question, and it's this. It's, do those who never hear about Jesus go to hell simply because they never get the opportunity to hear about Jesus? Because if that's the case, then it violates our fundamental sense of fairness. It paints 
a picture of a God who is unloving, unjust, and unfair. And I get that. And that conclusion comes out of a popular assumption that says this, that all religions are the same. You know, it's like if you're going to climb a mountain, there's many different ways to get to the top of the mountain. You know, you can go up one side or you can go up the other side. You can take one path or you can take another path. You can take a helicopter to the very top. That There's many ways to get there, but they all lead to the same place. And it kind of conjures up this idea for us so that whatever your path is to God, whether it's Christianity or Buddhism or Islam or Judaism or New Age philosophy, or Scientology, whatever it is, the idea is, is that all spiritual paths lead to the same place. So, are all religions the same? So what's the Bible say about that? Because it really doesn't matter what my opinion is, or what your opinion is, what culture's opinion is. We want to look about what God's opinion is. What does the Bible say about this? So before we answer the question, what happens to those who never hear about Jesus? we need to deal with this assumption right here. Almost everyone likes the person of Jesus. Almost everyone does. That people love his teachings. I don't know anyone who doesn't like the teachings of Jesus. He talked about helping the poor and loving other people, to be generous, to forgive those who have hurt you. That even if you hate Christianity, it's hard to hate the teachings of Jesus. It is the claims, it is the exclusive claim of Jesus is where people get all bent out of shape. This is where it begins to divide people. And in John chapter 14, Jesus makes an exclusive claim about himself. Thomas asks him, he says, Jesus, where are you going? Can you tell us the way? And here's how Jesus answers. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me that this sets Jesus apart from all other religions. And some people think, well, that's arrogant for him to make an exclusive claim that I am the way, the truth, and the life. So are all religions the same? Well, I think we have to first acknowledge that there is some truth and some beauty in all religions, but they are not the same. For instance, Buddha was noncommittal about even the idea of God. Buddhism has no God, there is no final existence, only countless rebirths, and the goal is enlightenment. On the other hand, Hinduism says that everything is a God, that you're a God, I'm a God, this podium is a God, there is 33 million gods. And both Buddhism and Hinduism do not have forgiveness of sins or supernatural help, only karma. That if you do bad things, then bad things are going to happen to you. That's karma. If you're mean to me, some bad is going to happen to you. That's what karma says. Islam claims that there's one God, but denies that Jesus is God. And they say that your standing with God depends on your religious devotion and your good works. New Age belief says that there is no personal God, only a higher consciousness, and you are one with the universe. Christianity says that there is a personal God revealed to us through the person of Jesus who offers us forgiveness of sins, not based on our effort, but based on what God has done for us. It's God's goodness. See, I I think to kind of help us understand how every other religion and Christianity is different might be best illustrated 
by a story that's told in, in Buddhist literature. It starts out very similar to the story that Jesus told about the prodigal son, that a young man rebels against his dad, and he goes off to a distant country, and things begin to fall apart for him. And when his life is a mess, he decides to come back home and be reconciled to his father. It starts out the same way as Jesus' story starts out. But in the Buddha's story, the son comes home and the dad forces him to pay the penalty for his past mistakes by spending years in servitude. But in Jesus' story, the son comes home and the dad opens his arm, he hugs him, he kisses him and gives him unconditional love and forgiveness and grace and welcomes him back as a son. The reality is there is a big difference so while there may be some truth and some beauty in all religions, they are not the same. Buddhism claims that there is no personal God. Christianity says there is a personal God. Classic Islam endorses killing infidels. Christianity says that you should forgive your enemies. So there is a difference. They are not all the same. The biggest difference is how you get reconciled to God. That I think you can sum up every other major religion with a two-letter word. It is D-O. It is what you do. That you've got to strive, you've got to earn, you've got to do something in order to make yourself acceptable to God. You've got to use a Tibetan prayer wheel or make a pilgrimage to Mecca, or avoid eating certain foods, or knock on enough doors, or pass out enough literature. You have to do all of the right things. And all other religions believe you've got to do something to make yourself acceptable to God. The only problem is you never know if you're doing enough. This would be like you going to work tomorrow, and you're in sales, and your boss says to you, you're going to be fired unless you meet your quota. You say, okay, well, tell me what the quote is. Well, I'm not going to tell you. So you just have to go out and you sell and you sell and you sell and you hope it's enough for you to keep your job. See, that's what every other religion of the world does, that you've got to do something to make yourself acceptable to God. But Jesus comes along and Jesus says, you don't have to do anything to earn your way to God. Because Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. It's done. The penalty has already been paid. Because Jesus loves you, he came to this earth. He lived a perfect life and went on the cross to pay for your sins. And when he took his last breath, he says, it's done. He says, it is finished. Your sins are paid for. So when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, that's not arrogance. That's love. He's saying, you don't have to do all these other things. You don't have to be good enough because I'm the way. I've already paid the price for you to get to God. Listen, if I can be honest with you, and I think this is going to be hard for some of us to hear, I think the the reason that some people think that Christianity is judgmental and arrogant is because way too many followers of Jesus are sometimes judgmental and arrogant. And Gandhi once said about Christianity, he says, I like their Christ, I don't like their Christians. Mark Twain said it like this. Mark Twain said, after having spent a lot of time with religious people, 
I now understand why Jesus preferred to spend time with tax collectors and sinners. <laughs> if you've ever been hurt by, by a church or by a Christian, or if you've been hurt by me, I just need to tell you that I am sorry because that is not the spirit of the one that we serve. That's not the way that Jesus wants us to be. Jesus proved that it's possible to lovingly claim truth without slamming, degrading, or demeaning other people. That God calls followers of Jesus, he calls you and I to be bridge builders, not wall builders. There's enough wall builders out there. He's called us to be a bridge builder. Here's the way the apostle Peter says it. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with what? Gentleness and respect. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have, but we do this with gentleness and respect. So, what about those who have never heard about Jesus? See, every one of us have wondered about this at one time or another. If, if Jesus is the only way to God, then what about the people who are in some remote part of the world and never have the opportunity to hear about Jesus? Are they going to hell because they've never heard about Jesus? Well, to be honest with you, we don't have a complete answer to this question. The Bible does not give us a definitive answer. And I learned a long time ago, I am not God and I'm not going to sit in the judgment seat of God and how God makes decisions. But I think there's some important clues for us that we can begin to look at. Here's number one. All who seek him will find him. All who seek him will find him. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be opened to them. Notice this isn't a promise for a certain group of people. This isn't a promise for, for a certain location or a certain time. Jesus says that everyone who keeps asking, who keeps seeking, who keeps knocking will be led by God to the place where they will find him. Here's the way God says this in Jeremiah chapter 29. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. We see an example of this in Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, there's a Roman soldier by the name of Cornelius. And Cornelius is not a follower of Jesus. He does not know anything about Jesus. But Cornelius is asking and seeking of God. And through a miraculous set of circumstances that God sets up, God brings Peter to the door of Cornelius where Peter knocks and says, I'm here to tell you about what you're seeking. And he goes in and he tells Cornelius and his entire family about Jesus. And the entire family embraces faith in Christ. They surrender their life to Jesus and they're baptized. We see the same thing happening around the world. Seven million Muslims have come to faith in Jesus every year for the past 12 years. And many of them seemed unreachable with the gospel. And what many of them are telling, many of them are saying that they have see, had dreams and visions about Jesus. 
How do you explain that? You can only explain that through God. That when somebody begins to seek, God makes them himself known. Our partners in Hindu countries are telling us about people who are in remote villages who are crying out to God just saying, if you are there, I want to know you. And through an amazing set of circumstances, God will bring a Christian into their village or into their life, or he'll bring a Bible there where they can begin to read the truth. In China, 35,000 people will come to faith in Jesus Christ today, and that is happening every single day. Some estimate by the way that, that Christianity is growing in China, by the year 2030, it could be a predominantly Christian nation. This is China we're talking about. So some of the places that we think as remote, the gospel is already there and God is already working. One of the baptisms that happened on Christmas Eve here at the crossing was a Muslim man from another country who was just seeking the truth about God. And someone made a bold imitation and they invited him to come to church here. And he heard the message about Jesus and he received Jesus as his Lord and Savior and he was baptized. That God promises that all who seek him will find him. Here's number two. Here's number two. While everyone in the world may not have equal access to information about Jesus, they are responsible to follow whatever measure of information that they've been given. Do you hear that? While everybody in the world may not have an equal amount of access, everyone will be responsible to follow whatever measure of information that God has given them. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 1. He says this in verse 19. He says, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood for what has been made so that people are without excuse. In other words, God hasn't hidden himself in playing some type of cosmic hide-and-seek for people to try to figure it out. That God has revealed himself and is revealing himself, even through creation. The Apostle Paul says that when somebody sees a sunrise or a sunset or they see a baby being born, it points to a creator that's behind it. And according to the Bible, God will go out of his way to meet people right where they are. God will meet people at their point of need. That everyone in the world may not have equal access, but they are responsible for the measure of information that God has given them. Here's the third thing. This one flows out of the, the last one. That God is the perfect and fair judge. That God is the perfect and fair judge. If you've been scrutinizing Christianity for a while and trying to figure it out, you need to know just as we believe that God is a perfect God who makes perfect decisions, God will be the perfect judge. That he is not going to judge someone unfairly, but he will judge them according to the amount of light, according to the amount of information that they have. Jesus said, too much has been given, much is required. Well, the opposite is true as well. He says in Luke chapter 12 that a servant who knows what his master wants and doesn't do it will be severely punished. But the one who doesn't know what his master wants and doesn't do it, he'll be punished much less. Jesus often told people that there would be greater judgment for those who heard and rejected 
than for those who have a lesser knowledge of God. So there's not going to be anyone who shakes a fist at God and says, you are unfair in your judgment because God is the perfect judge and a fair judge, that we can be certain of that. Now, here's this last point. Here's this last point in response to this question. What about those who have never heard about Jesus? That without exception, without exception, every person who asks this question has heard about Jesus. I find this very interesting. Because we ask all of these questions about everybody else. And as gently and lovingly as I can say this, that we are more responsible for what we do with this than any people who are in some remote part of the world. That we're responsible because we have heard about Jesus. Because 100% of the people who ask this question are people who have heard about Jesus. So what's our response? What do we do with all this? Now, this, this next thing, I just want you to just kind of be open-minded here for a second because this is, gonna, this is probably going to throw you off guard. If we knew for certain that those who never heard about Jesus would go to heaven, if we knew for certain that those who never heard about Jesus would go to heaven, then the last thing we would want to do is to tell them about Jesus, right? I mean, kind of think about this. If everyone who had never heard is going to heaven then why would we tell them about Jesus and risk the fact that they might reject him? So it'd be safer to never tell them at all. It'd be safer to, you know, go down the road. If somebody started telling you about Jesus, you just cover up your ears and go, I don't want to hear because, you know, then I don't know, I don't know. But that's not what Jesus tells us. Jesus tells us the last words that he gave us. is He says, you go into all the world and you share the good news of Jesus. You make disciples of people. See, this right here is why missions is such a big deal to us at the crossing. In two weeks, we have our mission Sunday. In two weeks is going to be the Sunday where we roll out all of our mission efforts for the year. And our prayer is that hundreds of you would get out of this country and go to some remote parts of the world so that you can share the message of Jesus because we just believe that Jesus brings life. The reason that we go It's because Jesus brings life. Here's what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 10. Paul says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. See, that we will be a church that goes into all the world like Jesus told us to go and to share the message of Jesus Christ because we just believe that Jesus Christ brings life. So that has to be our response. It has to be our response. But I think there's a second response that we have as well. And for some of you, you have used this excuse of what happens to those who never have heard about Jesus as an excuse of why you shouldn't respond to Jesus. That you've used this as an excuse of going, you know, what about all of those people in some remote village? You've used that as your excuse of of why you do not respond to the message of Jesus. And I have been praying for some of you that today would be the day that you would 
step across the line of faith. That you would step across the line of faith. Over the years, I've watched people struggle with their faith in Jesus and to follow him. And I've become convinced that the biggest barrier to saying yes to Jesus is not having all of your questions answered. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to ask those. You will always be welcome to do that. But I don't think that's the biggest barrier. I don't think for most people, when they get all of their questions answered, when they check mark them all off, they're going, okay, I'm in, I'm ready now. Because I think for most people, that's not, their bar- that's not their barrier. I think it comes down to a couple things. First, I think it's our struggle with pride. You see, proud people don't like to be told that there's only one way because that means I have to acknowledge that I'm a messy person that needs a forgiver and that requires humility and that's hard. It's hard for proud people to finally come to that place and a lot of us have been on this treadmill of trying to do enough and I hear this story all the time. People say, well, I'm just trying to get my life together. As soon as I get my life together, then I'm going to give it to Jesus. As if you're going to be able to clean up all of your mess on your own and be good enough. It is never going to happen. It is the opposite of what God tells us. God says, you come as you are. That Jesus loves you just the way you are. And if you're on this treadmill of trying to do enough and trying to be good enough, that is your own pride. And you have to begin to set that down. There's a second reason. I think for some people, it's just fear of change. That when it comes right down to it, that their doubts about Jesus aren't intellectual. They're personal. They're afraid that they might have to change something in their life. And when Jesus comes along and Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. See, that'd be arrogant if Jesus didn't back it up. But then Jesus comes and he dies on the cross and says, I'm the way. You don't have to earn the way. You don't have to do enough things that I am the way. I've taken care of everything for you. It is an exclusive claim. But then Jesus offers an inclusive offer. It is an offer for everyone. You know this scripture in John 3, 16, where he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It is an inclusive offer to whoever would come and believe in Jesus. So for us, I think all of us here, there is a response that we have to make because Jesus has given us some directive in our life. And I wanna pray with you. And maybe this is a time for you just to begin to talk to God. Maybe you're ready to surrender your life to Christ. We have a prayer room over here called The Commons. We have people who would love to talk to you about what your next step is with Christ. Or maybe for you, maybe God is nudging you and saying, this is your year that you need to get out of the country. You need to get off your couch and you need to serve somewhere to bring the light of Christ to people who don't have it.
Let's pray together. God, we thank you that Jesus is above every name. That there is no other name under heaven to which we are to be saved but Jesus. That Jesus is the one who brings life. That he alone is the one who overcame sin. That he alone is the one who conquered death. And God, wherever we may find ourselves this morning, maybe resisting you, maybe there's some hearts that would just be softened to what Christ might want to do in their life today. So we thank you for Jesus. Pray this in his name. Amen.